Uh, this is the Grit and Grace broadcast, episode two, okay. <laughs> live on truthseekertexasradio.com. We had a little bit of technical issues. We're still learning this system so as we go, so thanks again for your patience. Um, I am Tanya Bruton. I'm your host for the show. I'm glad that you're here tonight. Glad that I'm here. Had a lot going on this week. I'm sure you all have too. And so let's just get in tonight and have a good show, have fun, uh, learn some things about recovery, and um, just be edified in the Lord. So let's just start this off real quick with um, just take a deep breath, relax, and whoosah, <laughs> and open with a, a moment of prayer. So, dear God, I just come before you tonight, and I thank you for the opportunity to just speak your truth and speak your hope um, and your gospel to people out there listening and I hope that lives are touched that somebody's edified and lift up lifted up and motivated from the things that are shared here tonight I ask that you just um, just move through me and, and my guest Charlie tonight as we uh, share your uh, hope um, and your truth with our listeners and our listeners, bless them, Lord. Um, I know that they all have needs out there, whether uh, it's uh, they need healing in their bodies, or they need a financial blessing, they need you to open doors for them. I just pray that you you just touch every listener, every ear that's listening, touch all their lives tonight, and just bless this broadcast. In Jesus' holy, awesome, powerful, wonderful, magnificent name, we pray. Amen. So, before we get started on tonight's topic, I just have a few uh, announcements I want to make. So, you are listening to True Seeker Texas Radio, and on this station right now, um, we feature uh, four shows on Monday nights at 8 o'clock. Mike McInerney has his show, Discipleship for Life, every Monday night at 8 o'clock, and then on Tuesday nights, Charlie Smither has his show, uh, the Traveling Salvation Show. Uh, he comes on at 7, that's Central Standard Time. And then, of course, on Wednesday nights here at, uh, at 7 o'clock, you're, you're going to hear me, the Grit and Grace broadcast. And then on Thursday nights, I believe at 6 p.m., um, Jonathan Swan has his show um, that is called Reborn for This. So make sure you tune into those as well, and they are re-aired. Um, on a on a day-to-day -day basis uh, throughout the week um, at certain times if um, you miss them. Um, and let's see here. Oh, so um, as far as as far as this show, I just wanted to let you know of some um, topics that are coming up tonight. We're going to be talking about addiction and recovery and the different ways that people um, find their way you know, out of that. And then next week, my guest is going to be Mr. Uh, David Knox. And we're going to talk about unresolved, that's an important word there, uh, unresolved childhood trauma and how that manifests in adulthood, um, what that looks like, and uh, how he used the 12 Steps uh, program to uh, come make his way, navigate through that, and, um, and how he's uh, coming through the other side and, and using his life to help others. 
And um, after that, we've got Mr. Benjamin Bruton. You may recognize that last name. He is one of my children. He's 16 years old, and he is a devout Christian young man, uh, very well-versed in his Bible. Um, he loves the Lord with all of his heart, and he is going to share what it's like to be a teenage, uh, teenager, uh, born-again, professing Christian uh, teen in today's world. So those are some exciting shows to look forward to, so make sure you just stay with us from week to week. And as far as that goes, I just want to just take a minute to thank all you guys that are supporting us uh, by listening and uh, spreading the word about the show. Um, all we're wanting to do is just get God's word out there to someone who needs to hear it. That's our purpose, is to just speak the truth in love and to have a good time. So if you could, if you're able to, just stop right now what you're doing and take a second and share the link that you're uh, using to listen to uh, us on the www.truthseekertexasradio.com. Just share that, um, you know, send it, text it to some of your friends or share it on your Facebook page and say, hey, I'm listening to a great show right now. Uh, tune in. It's going to be exciting. Some, you know, there's a woman going to come on and share her testimony about how God brought her out of addiction. So just share the word and see if we can help some more people out. Um, we want to help as many people as we can. And so, but I do thank you all for um, for just your support. Um, another thing, topics, the things that we choose to talk about. As far as me, I'm led by the Lord, but I do want to discuss things of interest or that benefit uh, you. So I'd like you to let me know what you want to talk about. Uh, I do have a Facebook page. Uh, it's called Grit and Grace. You just go to Facebook and search Grit and Grace, and a list of pages will come up, and uh, the picture is of me with like a hat on or something, you know. And uh, just follow, like, and follow the page, and uh, you can message me through there. You can post on there. Hey, I'd like to talk about this. You can also email me at gritgraceministries at gmail.com and just put in your subject line topic. You can also email me um, if you have an interesting story you're burning to share, uh, any news topic you feel needs to be highlighted a Christian project you'd like to promote. We love guests. I love guests. I love to fellowship. I love to interact with people. I love to meet new people and hear their stories and hear what's going on in their lives. So again, get on the Facebook page, message me, email me at gritgraceministries at gmail.com. Put in your subject line, guests, and um, we'll see if we can't get together on something. And then lastly, as far as announcements go, um, podcasts. We have um, been working on turning in the broadcast into podcasts that can be uh, listened to later on. Uh, we, of course, first and foremost, we love the live broadcasts. We like to be here live with guests. There's the spontaneity of the of the conversation. It's uh, you never know what's going to be said, what's going to go on, and you've got the ability for people to interact. You know, call in, and you never know who's going to call or what they're going to say or questions they're going to ask. So. There's something to be said about, you know, being able to catch this live broadcast, but we know people are busy. They've got things going on. So um, if you miss and you miss the re-airs, you can't catch the re-airs because I think mine re-airs at 2 p.m. every day if you can't catch that. Um, my show is on, this show is on Spotify. Um, you would have to, 
I'm, I haven't quite figured out how you search for it, but I've got the link, the direct link to it on my Facebook page, Grit and Grace. And then um, you can email me again at gritgraceministries at gmail.com if you want to uh, get that Spotify link. All right. And those, like I said, uh, if you um, are able to, um, you know, have a listen on Spotify and share share those with your friends as well um, and get the word out. So, on with the show. Tonight's guest I'm really, really excited about. We have uh, Charlie Rogers coming on tonight. She is a friend of mine from Graham, Texas, Young County, Texas. I've known her for about I don't know, 12 or 13 years. Our families go way back, um, but um, we're from the same hometown. Uh, we used to run the streets together occasionally. Uh, we served time in county jail together. So uh, we're going to hopefully have some fun and interesting things to talk about. But uh, go ahead, Charlie, if you are ready for me, go ahead and call in at 940-393-5654, and uh, let's get you started. Let's see here. Let me make sure my phone is ready. And while we're waiting on her to call in, uh, Let's see here. Thank you for your patience. I just want to make sure. Oh, here we go. Here we go. One, two, three. Charlie, are you there? I'm here. Oh, awesome, awesome, awesome. How are you doing tonight? I'm good. Good. It's good to have you on. Um, you want to tell uh, the listeners just a little bit about yourself? Well, um, my name's Charlie, Charlie Rogers, and um, I'm 33 years old, and I've lived in Graham, Texas uh, most of my life. Um, I spent a short time in the Metroplex, but found my way back here, and this is where um, my roots are, and where I feel most comfortable living, living my life. So I'm, I'm pretty excited to be on your show tonight. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for coming on. So um, our topic tonight, uh, like I said, is on addiction and recovery. You and I share a similar past. Let's talk about um, kind of your early years and when do you remember, you know, getting into the drugs and what do you think kind of led you to that? What was your drug of choice? Kind of, um, kind of get us started from the beginning. Okay. Well, um, my uh, my my childhood years were pretty much really traumatic. Um, I never had. Um, I would say I never had a very positive role model in my life. Um, the only positive would have been my grandmother, who passed away when I was 13, but she was immobilized by sickness. She had um, emphysema and asthma, so she wasn't 
she wasn't able to properly care for us kids that she was stuck with caring for all the time. So we really, um, we had to not fend for ourselves, but we had to also help care for her as she was overlooking our care. And so that was, that was difficult growing up, not having a, a responsible adult around that was able to care for all the children that were in the household at, at any given time. Um, so most everyone that I've ever known has been affected with some form of addiction. Um, so I've never, I never knew a lot outside of addiction. I didn't know what what normal was growing up. I thought that everybody's parents um, had a tray of weed underneath the couch mm-hmm. and would <laughs> would smoke smoke it regularly, or you know, um, um, just not your normal way. A lot was was normal for me. Um, I remember. Um, seeing how my mom acted and the way that she used drugs and alcohol regularly and kind of freely. Um, I, I admired her. She she was beautiful to me and I, I wanted to be like her. And then as I got older and I realized that the things that she was doing wasn't normal and, um, that the care that me and my brother and my cousins were being given wasn't wasn't what everyone else was getting. Then I started to um, think, well, I'm going to be like her, but I'm going to do everything that she does, and I'm going to do it better than her. And so I, I tried meth for the first time when I was probably 10 years old, and I found it in um, – the pocket of a pair of shorts that had been out at her trailer house. And um, I remember being late for school that day. And when I got to school, I, I was high. And I don't, I don't think that anybody knew that I was high, but I felt like I was on top of the world. And I had, I had finally discovered that thing that made my mom feel so good. And so... From there, I didn't use every day, but um, eventually it turned into a into an everyday thing once I got older. Yeah, I think. Um, so, you know, I kind of have that in common with you as far as, like, your grandma being your influence. Um, yeah. You know, I, my you want to be, I want to be careful some of the things I say, but, you know, it's not, this is just what it is. Uh, it's not a judgment, but, you know, I, I, my memories of, you know, my mother, or, um, you talk about, you know, the pot, pot trays and the smoking pot. Uh, we would be outside in the car, you know, in the carport on Sunday mornings, you know, ready to go to church, but we're waiting on mom to finish her last long hit, you know, before we go. And, of course, when we get there, you know, she's singing on the platform and she's teaching Sunday school. So, to me, those two things could mesh, and they went hand in hand. Drug use, Jesus. <laughs> it was, that was a little. <laughs> but, uh, but my granny, you know, was, um, she was my, 
she wasn't stable mentally, but she was the one who really showed me the stability as far as her walk with God was. So, um, you know, I have that in common, but uh, with you there, but and the feeling of being on top of the world when you're using. Um, but for me too, it was a feeling like I could belong. I always felt like I didn't belong. I felt out of place and on meth. I felt like a social butterfly. I could talk to anybody, you know, about anything. Um, and just that euphoria, like stay on top of the world. Um, but at what point though, at some point we both know, uh, it turns in, you know, to something else. It turns into a monster and destroys our lives. So, um, what, you know, at what point did you start having issues and like, what kind of issues did you run into? Like, you know, and we talk about in recovery, uh, the only thing that we have to look forward to is when we relapse or when we're using is jails, institutions, or death, um, or in mom, in mother's cases, CPS cases, so um, a lot of times. So what when did things start to go downhill for you, and what did that look like? Um, well, I would say that things started going downhill when, um, so I, I, lived in the Metroplex with my mom, and I graduated high school, I come to college, dropped out, I got a boyfriend, and we started using meth together um, on a regular basis, and I was doing it, like, in my mom's apartment behind her back, she had been sober for a few years, so I was using, and then him and I had gotten a place, and I had we got into a fight, and so I told my brother to come and get me from Metroplex, and so he did. And so I came back to the Grand Area. We were living at the lake. Well, I made the decision to leave the lake, and I got I I was staying with this guy, and I would say that's when I really started going downhill. I was using every day, and really it was all it all started because I wanted to know what what it was that kept my mom from being a mom. Like, if there was a substance that was so great that it could keep you from maintaining a job, from wanting to be there for your children, from wanting to live a, a normal life, so to speak, I wanted I wanted to experience that in its fullness. Girl, and, girl, that was insane. Uh, I, I, I said to a, a friend or acquaintance and my dad, I said, uh, why does he keep running off? I said, whatever whatever he's running off doing, whatever that is he's doing, bring it to me. I want to do it. Yeah. So, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, whatever, whatever. If it's so great that it can, that it can, <laughs> that it can keep somebody and have them in such a chain that it, they can, it can control your whole life. And I, I had to know what it was about. And it definitely took me way further than I intended it to for a lot longer than I ever dreamed that it would, and, um, but by the grace of God, I had my, my grandmother, who I talked about earlier, who I remember sitting in her lap when she wasn't able to get up, and her reading her Bible every day, and I remember giving my life to the Lord at, at an early age, you know, looking out into the stars and then asking my aunt, like, what do I got to do to get to heaven? So, I, I knew that there was that there was a God out there, and 
through my addiction, I always knew that there that I was meant for more in this life than that drug that I had allowed. That I wanted so bad to know its effects and know the fullness of it. I knew that that wasn't what I was entirely meant for in this world. And so I was always able to come out of it after after a while. Mm-hmm. And then something would happen, and I would I would use again. You know, I never had like a, a stable environment, or I wasn't able to control the environment that I was around in order to keep it safe for me not to use. So, um, I would say I had I had my babies, and I was clean for a couple years, and their dad. Um, he would never get off the drug, and so after I had my second son, I chose to use again. Well, that led to a, um, to a CPS case, and I had my babies removed from my care, and that tore my world apart. And when my babies were taken from us, <clears throat> I decided that the relationship that I was in with him, I was going to use that opportunity to get out of that. That. I was going to change that factor and change my entire world to where I didn't ever have to go back to that drug that had taken my babies from me. So the worst state that I've ever been in was the six months that I got after I left their dad and they were in the care of CPS. I used for six months. And during that time, I did experience the fullness of the drug. Um, I've, I've never experienced psychosis before until those six months. And during that six months toward the end, I just felt very, um, paranoid. I thought that people were always talking about me, even right in front of me. And that was a scary feeling. I remember, I remember when you and I first ran into each other on a highway one time (laughs) and, uh, (laughs) you, you and CJ came to give. Me and Jesse Dale of some gas, and uh, you got in the car and you said, "I want to see her driver's license." <laughs> I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. <laughs> Real catch out. I didn't ask. I never really trusted anyone. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so during, yeah, I, I got worse than that after I lost my kid. Yeah. Um, I thought that I was being filled by feelings by Doctor Phil for intervention, and um. I, I, I was just completely and totally out of my mind, and that is what drove me to getting sober, and I did 30, 28 days at Red River, but that really, it didn't help me recover. I didn't get any of the tools that I really needed other than they taught you how to work the 12 steps, but that that wasn't enough for me. Well, so, what about, uh, what about, you know, a lot of people out there that don't, haven't gone through what we've been through, they're going to think, uh, well, why didn't you just, you know, when you went to jail or when they took your kids, that wasn't enough for you to just snap out of it on your own? No, I wasn't ready. Yeah. Yeah. I understand no. that. Yeah. But any time that I did get clean through jail or just saying, okay, well, I'm going to get clean, I can get through this by getting clean. But then it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a change of heart. 
Yeah. I wasn't done with it. Yeah, in my soul, deep down in there, it was still it was still there, you know, fake it till you make it mm-hmm. is what I always thought. Mm-hmm. You know, if I can just get through this the short period of time that I can get back to my little to my precious. Yeah. You know, to the my precious. To the needle or the, mm-hmm. the pipe, you know, whatever. Um you know, just all I got to do is fake it for these three months and then I can get my kids back. And when they're not looking any longer, then I'll get back to right to what I was doing. Right. Continue on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can definitely understand that. That's funny or it's not. None of this is funny, but that you use the word my, or that you use the term my precious. I used to say that, too. And, and I'm I should be embarrassed to admit this. But I mean, I told Mike when when I first met him and. and came in contact with him and started counseling with him, um, you know, that needle is something else. And uh, it's, I mean, I think when we're doing that and we're mixing it up and we're injecting that and mixing it with our blood that, you know, we're practicing witchcraft, but, um, you know, I worshiped it. I told him, I said, when that brush comes over me, that feels better than God to me. And, and I knew God, you know, and I, I mean, that sounds sacrilegious, but the Lord knows, you know, he knew, um, but yeah, it just is that that's people don't understand the hold it gets on you yeah. and how hard it is to break it. But uh, so you so you had your kids taken that didn't do it. You went to jail that didn't do it. You went to Red River. Uh, I've been there as well. It didn't do it for me either. Um, so what did do it for you? Um, the realization that I had that I had fully become exactly what I didn't, what I had, what I despised in a, as a child in my mother. <clears throat> I had completely became that. And, and more so, um, she never lost custody of me and my brother. It was always on her own free will. But I had, I was right at the brink of having no relationship with my children and they were babies. And the realization that my babies could grow up not knowing me or not having me to be there to protect them, to guide them, to play with them. You know, just the thought of them growing up and not having me, like I didn't have somebody. I, I knew that I wanted to be the mom that my mom never got the chance to be. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when you're calling and you're looking for a place to go, like I always had plenty of places to go. But it wasn't anywhere healthy for me to be, you know, like I could go sleep on so-and-so's couch, but they were also, they were going to feed me, but I was also going to freely be given drugs. Mm -hmm. So, and when you're calling around places, you know, they want, oh, it's $30,000 for a month here, or, you know, um, we don't have any beds available, or oh, you haven't used in two days? Oh, well, that's good. Then you should be able to recover just fine. Right. Um, right. People, you know. I, I have people ask me a lot often, you know, mothers that have a son or daughter that's, you know, going through what we went through. What, you know, where do, where's the best rehab? Where do I, where do I go? And there's a lot to that. Uh, like you said, the state-run facilities, um, you don't have to have the insurance, and it is free, but there's usually a waiting list. Um, there's usually somebody in there waiting to give you a hookup when you get out, uh, right. you know, and then there's the, you kind of get what you pay for. You, you, you go to these nicer places that offer uh, a more quality um, treatment, 
and they're going to want private insurance, not Medicaid, private. There's a lot of things involved in the system of, you know, mental health care or whatever, behavioral um, health care. So do you have private insurance? If not, do you got, usually it is about $30,000. The last one I went to was $33,000 facility. So, um, so yeah, but there's lots of um, helpful programs and non-helpful programs out there. So where did you find to go? What was the question? Uh, where did you end up finally going to get treatment? Well, um, I was I was very very blessed, and I what I'd seen on Facebook um, that a girl that I had on my Facebook name was Georgia. I'd seen that she had gone to this this place that opened in only Texas, and which is in the same county that I grew up in, where I have all my connections to drugs, where you know where my family is known to be a rougher crowd. Um, so just 20 minutes from home um, in Olney, Texas, is this place called the House of Mercy. And it's not a rehab. What it is is it's a Christian Human Development Center. And I called on a Saturday, and somebody was there to answer. It was a resident. Her name is Nancy. And I told her, I was like, look, I'm, I'm trying to get a bed somewhere. You know, um, I'm using heavily, and I've lost my kids. Um, I'm having, like, psychosis thoughts. You know, I don't feel like, um, I don't feel safe <laughs> with myself. I need I need help. I need some more help. And she was like, well, let me get somebody that can help you. And so I talked to this man named Preston Crow, and I was like, I told him what was going on, and I was like, do you have a bed available? He was like, can you get here? And I was like, yes. He was like, do you have transportation? I was like, yes, I have a car, but right now I have a job. Like, I'm on my, I'm supposed to be on my way to work. Like, do I need to go to work or do I need to come there first? He was like, lady, you're this much of a mess. He was like, can you, can you just get here? Or do we need to send someone to get you? And I was like, I can get there. And so he, this was like earlier in the morning, and it took me like five hours to get 20 miles away, and when I, I didn't even think that anybody, that he would wait for me to show up, but he waited there for me all day, and when I showed up, I felt that, I, I remember sitting in my grandmother's lap and feeling so safe and so at peace and listening to her read the Bible and pray over me and pray for people, and, and that was the safest that I've ever felt in my life. And when I pulled up to the House of Mercy, even in the psychosis that I was in, I just felt that warm blanket of comfort, and I really just felt my heart surrender, you know, before I ever even stepped foot in the door. And then walking in and being welcomed by people that were struggling with similar things that I was struggling with, and um, it was just, I've never felt that much at peace and that welcome anywhere, anywhere except for in my meanwhile's are, you know? So mm -hmm. it was really, really cool. And so um, I dedicated a year of my life to the program and to what um, pretty much I, I turned my care and everything over to him and his wife, Trina, and I would... I would ask them for permission for everything, you know, and if it was like, 
if they said no, then generally it meant no, you know, and the grace that you received, that I received there, you know, I didn't, um, it was a free will program, so you could, I could leave at any time that I wanted to, um, you know, we got weekend passes and stuff, and, you know, it gave you a lot of room to make mistakes, but being able to make the mistakes and having somewhere to land while I was in the program made me realize that the life that, you know, my precious wasn't really my precious, you know, it was being able to wake up in the morning and not be sick, to be able to go to work and hold a job, to, um, you know, every morning started with devotional and um, then we had classes, you know, um, Bible-based classes we learned, the introduction to the Bible, you know, a lot of people um, know that there is a God and they know that there's a Bible, but they don't know what it says and they don't know how to go to his word, open the Bible and to read it and to be able to understand it in a way that will help you in everyday life. And so that's, that's what I learned at the House of Mercy that's really helped me even today. Um, we had to memorize these verses. And I remember the first one was, I've been crucified with Christ, and no longer I who lives, but he who lives in me. Mm. In the life of child of the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who yeah. loved me, and gave himself for me. Yeah. And that was the first one that I memorized, but out of that, out of the program that he was teaching. And still, even today, you know, when I think about using, or if I think about um, something traumatic, I'm having a bad day. You know, that's still my go-to verse. Like, I'm like, nope, I've been crucified. The person, the Charlie that everyone knew before, she's, she's no longer here anymore. You know, I've been, I've, I'm a different person now because God has changed something in my heart. Mm. And Preach, girl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, that's awesome. I, I've heard of um, House of Mercy because uh, George is actually my cousin-in-law, um, but um, so uh, I'd heard of it, and I'd heard it was a really good program, but I just wasn't real familiar with it. It sounds like um, the way you were talking about uh, you're describing your relationship with, I guess, um, the man who ran the place and his wife, um, it sounds like to me, that sounds like discipleship. It sounds like you submitted, like you said, um, to uh, his uh, discipling you and, sure. and and honoring, you know, it wasn't like, you, you know, okay, you could tell me what to do. Uh, it's honoring his wisdom and how he can impart that into your life. You're honoring the Lord by uh, letting the Lord use him to show you, you know, through that process. So that's really cool. I just want to repeat that information right now, like if anybody just wants to make a note. I know they've got a Facebook page. I've seen, I've been on there, but it's called the House of Mercy, and that's in only Texas, and they do have a phone number. It's 940-564-3339, and they have a website, houseofmercyenterprises.org, if you guys want to check that out um, and just kind of have that in your back pocket in case you ever running into somebody that needs help. Um, uh, I think that that's good that it's a year-long program. Like I was telling you the, the other day, uh, one of the best programs out there that I know that I wished I could have participated in, but uh, was t is Teen Challenge. Uh, that is a solid program. 
but it's a year. <laughs> so I don't know how you did it, but I think there's something about a year. I mean, with methamphetamines, um, they say that it takes us like six months to a year to uh, really come off of that and to really get it out of our system and out of our brains. Um, that's why a lot of these 30-day programs don't work. Um, they, I know every time I've gone to rehab, they're like, we want you 45 to 90 days. And I never would make it. I'd make it 41. I'd make it 29. <laughs> you know, just a hair to, you know, making it. And I'd leave early. Uh, I, I, don't think I, I think I completed one actual uh, rehab, and that was the longest one. It was 40 days, yeah. And uh, it's just not enough. But um, so that's really cool that they do that. Um, and, I, and it sounds like they've got a really solid program. Uh, do you still keep in touch with them today? Yes. <laughs> I've been there. Um, I, I just went by there today um, to talk to Trina about um, just, yeah, um, that's what's so great about the program that I went through is because you're not, most like when I got out of Red River, I was given this booklet. I was given some addresses of some places I could go for group. But it wasn't like if you if you do get out and you do choose to use or if some if you have a bad day you can just come by and chat or visit you know like see some residents um speak with somebody that's struggling that day you know it wasn't you know i've never i've never been anywhere where there it wasn't just a recovery program it was a different it was a way of life and yes um any anytime I have problems or anytime, you know, every now and then I'll go, Hey Trina, I think I might need to take a drug test and she'll go, Okay, go <laughs> keep one. They'll give me a cup and I'll go pee just for just for peace of mind. I don't even know why I do it, but I just <laughs> Well, you know, I mean that's that's essential like like that aftercare. Um, that feeling of safety to to fall. I mean, we don't want to fall. That's not our goal, and not everybody does. Uh, they say that relapse is a part of recovery. It's not for everybody. It, it was for me, <laughs> but I mean, but not everybody. And uh, but the thing about it, uh, relapse is what what makes you or break you is is if you if you have a, an environment or a support system that allows you to do it and get back up without judgment. Uh, you know, uh, where you can trust someone to say, hey, it's okay, come on, just come back in. Just come back in. Oh, you used today? Well, come yeah. come back in, get back up, come on, let's go. You know what yeah. I mean? Don't let it drag you down. Don't, uh, you know, forgive yourself, brush it off. Let's, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so that's awesome that you have that. Um, that sounds like a really great program. Uh, it's more, they've become more like family, you know. Um, since I've gotten sober, you know, my brother, um, John Christian, he's he's always been, um, we've always been very close, but in my addiction, you know, him and his wife put up barriers to protect him and, and also their family, you know, so um, since, I, since I've gotten clean, you know, our relationship's been restored, you know, his wife, who I call my sister, she, uh, you know, she's, I, she's, <laughs> She keeps us all grounded and sane, and um, you know. And it is—it's very important to have a solid group. You know, I have um, my my husband Ralph. Um, we uh, 
we were in the streets together and I would have never thought that God would bring two two people like us together to live a a crazy sober life together but um we um we're doing it and it's so cool to see how God has changed both of our lives and having somewhere you know I know that without a doubt in my mind that if we needed my my recovery family Trina and the House of Mercy that you know it, it, it's just a family you know they know <laughs> they would be here for any of us you know and it's just very cool I have um paperwork anxiety like it's hard for me to fill out papers or to do things and so um sometimes Trina will just sit there and let me you know, call and fill out forms for health insurance, you know, like, mm-hmm. I just need you to be here for me, and I don't know, it's just, it's really cool to to have a backbone and a support system. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing, okay, uh, it's, that's a Christian Bible-based program. What I've got going on in my life um, with, I call, I'm calling my pastor, calling my counselor, I'm calling my spiritual father, uh, whatever, he disciples me. But um, uh, it, it's and it's a it's a godly thing. But um, you know, it's interesting. Uh, how do I say this? That these types of relationships aren't found in uh, institutional t- churches, like the church buildings uh, that you know we go to on Sundays. <laughs> uh, not very often do you find that, and that I think that's what's missing. Uh, not to be negative. But I think that's what's missing from a lot of, quote, churches, even though really we are the church um, as people and as his children uh, together as one uh, organism. We're the church. But as far as the buildings go, uh, you know, I think that that's missing from the church. You know, you go in, you you, uh, maybe shake someone's hand and you sit there and you all stare at one person and there's a program and and then uh, you go eat. And it's over. It's just, you know, you, you need that, you know, and, they, and the church has tried to um, work on that. Like, I know they start, you know, doing things like home groups where they could have more fellowship uh, going on. But uh, it should be, it should be like a family. I mean, that's, that's what the um, body of Christ should be, is like a family. You should be able to just have a meal together. You should be able to say, hey, can you help me fill out my health care forms? Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, go to them when you messed up help them encourage them and that sounds like what you got going on there um and i know i feel very blessed for the connections that i've made over here in uh wise county and um so it's, it's good that you have that there and i hope um that um others that need help can find that as well and i hope that god blesses their program uh, i wonder if they take donations if so um you know maybe people should consider you know, contributing and supporting that ministry. Um, I know, I know I will pray about that um, myself. That would be awesome. You know, that's the one thing that they do run off of is donations. And um, actually the residents that choose to be there at, in the program, um, they're, you don't absolutely don't have to have money to be there, but that's how they stay open and running is through donations and through the work of the residents that want the program and want the family to to keep the house going that's that's solely how they're funded it's not through the state um it's through 
generous people that believe in the program and believe in what is going on there. Awesome. So, awesome. Yeah. So if you're listening and, and, and you feel God tugging at your heart, um, check them out. Um, like I said, that was, um, let me see here. They are at houseofmercyenterprises.org, and their phone is 940-564-3339. That's in all new Texas. So, um, well, I mean, I'm just real proud of you, and I'm just real happy for you. I, like I said, I've just been kind of watching you, and um, I don't know, a little not jealous, but I mean, <laughs> I'm proud of you. I wish I could. I feel like I wish I could have done as well sometimes. Um, you know, I guess I got a little chip on my shoulder because uh, I have not kept it solid for like the whole time. But I mean, I got, I'm proud of myself too. We all, everybody, that's the thing is everybody recovers differently. Some people benefit from the 12 steps. Some people benefit from going to a therapist. Some people got to go to a rehab. Some people go to meetings. Some people will cover right away, real quick, uh, cold turkey. Some people, it, they kind of back and forth until they finally get it. So, you know, we all have our own path uh, to wellness. It's just the the end result, you know, get well and, and you know, give your life to God and let him um, use you to help others is the thing. So, well, Charlie, thank you so much. I mean, you've shared a lot. Um You've got you've got an interesting um, story. God's really blessing you. Just real quick, um, just at random. I'll just I'm just gonna ask you. Let's see. I have a, if you had a few questions here. What do I want to get? Okay, this is a good one to me. What are three things that you believe about God? Okay, I believe that God is a spiritual being for sure. Um, I believe that he's not um, bound by time or space, and I believe that the Word of God, the Bible, is inspired by him, mm -hmm. and that it is true. Yeah. Amen. Um, that's good. That's solid. That's solid stuff right there. <clears throat> I guess if I, I guess if I were to answer it, I would say. I mean, it's kind of tricky to on when you're when you're put on the spot. Now I'm <laughs> putting myself on the spot. God, I would say God is constant for sure. And I would say God is always faithful and true to His word. Um, I guess that'd be the third one that God always keeps His word. Yep. Um, that you can depend on it uh, with your life, and, th sure. and, and thank God for that. Thank God for that. Um, I would say, uh, let's see, when in your life did you feel closest to God, and what makes you feel connected to Him today? Like, for example. I feel most connected to God when I'm sitting outside on my porch and I hear birds singing. I've always been like that. I like to read my Bible out when I'm outside. Um, I listen yeah. to the birds and I think of my favorite passage about how the birds don't have to work uh, or toil or or whatever uh, or gather their food. 
but the, your heavenly father feeds them and aren't you worth more than the little sparrows and i love birds they're just so <laughs> birds are just precious to me so if, and but they're you know if he takes care of the precious birds how much more will he take care of me and reminds me just not to worry about anything that i'm under his care and uh no matter what you know and that he's my father and he loves me but being to me it would be um being outside be just being connected to some be sitting on the grass Sitting yeah. next to they sitting next to a river, watching the water, you know. Yeah, um, I would say the closest that I felt to him was during the. Um, I actually didn't leave the House of Mercy after one year. They didn't just put me out. They actually, I went through the program and they actually gave me a couple months to like save money and like get my life together. You know, get on my feet. And so I would say during the time that I was able to be at the House of Mercy. Um, is probably when I felt closest closest to him, other than the times when I was in the trenches. Mm-hmm. And that all that I had was a prayer like, like, God, like, I, I need you more than now, ever, right now. You know, like, um, mm-hmm. so I felt pretty close to, them, to him then. But being at the House of Mercy and going to church every Sunday, you know, like being on a schedule and spending time with him every morning and every night without the, without the chaos of work, you know, how home chores, you know, uh, taking care of the kids, you know, I was solely able to devote my time to, to loving him and being close to him. And that's, that's probably when I felt closest mm-hmm. and, Cool, cool. Um, lastly, let's see here. What is the kindest thing anyone has done for you? That one's hard. <laughs> that that is a hard question to answer because I receive kindness in so many different ways on a on a regular basis. You know, um, that's. But I guess I would have to say the kindest thing that anyone has ever done for me was probably faithfully pray for me. Yeah. You know, I know that there's several people out there that have prayed for me and probably continue to do so, but I mean, I don't think that any one act of kindness can is really greater than another. You know, um Well prayer that's a really hard one, but I would say definitely constant prayer for people. Yeah. Is, that's the thing is I think we too often and it's just natural for us because it's something we can't see prayer and the results of prayer. Well, prayer is like an untangible thing. It's, uh, we can't, we can't put our finger on it. Sometimes we don't track it well and it's sometimes results aren't immediate. So people don't, uh, don't seem to all, we're not always conscious of the fact that actually it's the most effective thing. If anybody asks me, okay, how do you get clean? What's the best way to get clean? pray or have someone pray for you prayer is the most powerful thing it's it's but it's silent um you might have to wait a while uh it may come right away glory to god hallelujah he does miracles (laughs) but um but um it's the it's the thing behind the scenes it's it's the it's the invisible world you know uh, going to war for you um so definitely yeah i mean i rely on prayers of of people that support me for sure for sure when i don't remember to pray for myself so well that's great um that's great charlie uh thanks again for uh coming on today 
Uh, it's been so fun. It's been great to talk to you. I've missed you so much, and I'm just so happy for you and Ralph. Um, if he's listening, hey, Ralph. <laughs> if not, tell him I said hello um, uh, and tell him I am proud of him as well and, I, and, and your kids. They're precious uh, and adorable, and I'm so happy for you guys as a family. I hope that God just keeps blessing y'all. Um, and just blessing you and using you as he seems fit um, to do. Uh, like you said, you're meant for more than this. And, and you know, we've always known that about each other. And, um, you know, just, you know, continue to let him use you. And, um, and uh, you know, going forward and just, I know you got this. Thank you so much. Um, I appreciate you for giving me the opportunity to, to tell my story, and I hope that it, um, if there's anybody listening, I hope that it can help someone or give them hope. Or, and I'm really excited for your future in doing this. I feel like it's something that, I don't know, I feel like it can really grow to touch a lot of people, and this could be your thing. <laughs> Well, yeah, I, I hope so. I mean, I just I just want to do God's will. I just want to serve some sort of purpose, you know, and that to me, uh, my purpose, I feel like, has always been to help to help somebody in some way, shape, or form to use, to not let what I went through uh, be uh, wasted, but to use it, you know, to help um, whoever I can um, in God's name. But um, so we're running out of time. Um, Charlie, do you want to close this out in prayer? Um, sure. Okay. Uh, Father God, I just thank you for today and for your your grace and your mercy, Father God. Um, I thank you for the people that you've had praying for Tanya and I and um, in our recovery and even in our addiction, Father God. I thank you for being who you are and being faithful to us and your word. I just ask that you uh, bless the people that are listening tonight, Father God, and that um, your word can work through Tanya and the people there at the studio, Father God. I just, um, I praise you and I thank you in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, um, thank you guys for listening. Don't forget to uh, tune in next Wednesday at 7. Thank you for listening to this episode of Grit and Grace podcasts. Have a blessed day.